0: So forever Professor Forever
1: Hello. Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. I'm going to begin the podcast today by reading a short story by one of my favorite authors. After I read the story, then I'll be talking about it. This story is called Just A little one. I like this place, Fred. This is a nice place. How did you ever find it? I think you're perfectly marvelous, discovering a speakeasy in the year 1928. And they let you right in without asking you a single question. I bet you could get into the subway without using anybody's name, couldn't you, Fred? Oh, I like this place better and better, now that my eyes are getting accustomed to it. You mustn't let them tell you this lighting system is original with them, Fred. They got the idea from the Mammoth Cave. This is you sitting next to me, isn't it? Oh, you can't fool me. I'd know that knee anywhere. You know what I like about this place? It's got atmosphere. That's what it's got. If you would ask the waiter to bring a fairly sharp knife, I could cut off a nice little block of the atmosphere to take home with me. It would be interesting to have for my memory book. I'm going to start keeping a memory book tomorrow. Don't let me forget. Why, I don't know, Fred. What are you going to have? Then I guess I'll have a highball, too. Please. Just a little one. Is it really real scotch? Well, that would be a new experience for me. You ought to see the scotch I've got home in my cupboard. At least it was in my cupboard this morning. It's probably eaten its way out by now. I got it for my birthday. Well, it was something. The birthday before, all I got was a year older. This is a nice highball, isn't it? Well, well, well. To think of me having real scotch. I'm out of the bush leagues at last. Are you going to have another one? Well... I shouldn't like to see you drinking all by yourself, Fred. Solitary drinking is what causes half the crime in the country. That's what's responsible for the failure of prohibition. But please, Fred, tell him to make mine just a little one. Make it awfully weak, just cambric scotch. It will be nice to see the effect of veritable whiskey upon one who has been so accustomed only to the simpler forms of entertainment. You'll like that, Fred. You'll stay by me if anything happens, won't you? I don't think there will be anything spectacular, but I want to ask you one thing, just in case. Don't let me take any horses home with me. It doesn't matter so much about stray dogs and kittens, But elevator boys get awfully stuffy when you try to bring in a horse. You might just as well know that about me now, Fred. You can always tell that the crash is coming when I start getting tender about our dumb friends. Three highballs, and I think I'm St. Francis of Assisi. But I don't believe anything is going to happen to me on these. That's because they're made of real stuff. That's what the difference is. This just makes you feel fine. Oh, I feel swell, Fred. You do, too, don't you? I knew you did, because you look better. I love that tie you have on. Oh, did Edith give it to you? Oh, wasn't that nice of her? You know, Fred, most people are really awfully nice. There are darn few that aren't pretty fine at heart. You've got a beautiful heart, Fred. You'd be the first person I'd go to if I were in trouble. I guess you are just about the best friend I've got in the world. But I worry about you, Fred. I do so, too. I don't drink you take enough care of yourself. I don't think you take enough care of yourself. You ought to take care of yourself for your friend's sake. You oughtn't to drink all this terrible stuff that's around. You owe it to your friends to be careful. You don't mind my talking to you like this, do you? You see, dear, it's because I'm your friend that I hate to see you not taking care of yourself. It hurts me to see you batting around the way you've been doing. You ought to stick to this place where they have real scotch that can't do you any harm. Oh, darling. Do you really think I ought to? Well, you tell him just a little bit of a one. Tell him, sweet. Do you come here often, Fred? I shouldn't worry about you so much if I knew you were in a safe place like this. Oh, is this where you were Thursday night? I see. Why, no... It didn't make a bit of difference. Only you told me to call you up, and like a fool, I broke a date I had just because I thought I was going to see you. I just sort of naturally thought so when you said to call you up. Oh, good Lord, don't make all that fuss about it. It really didn't make the slightest difference. It just didn't seem a very friendly way to behave. That's all. I don't know. I'd been believing we were such good friends. I'm an awful idiot about people, Fred. There aren't really many who are really your friend at heart. Practically anybody would play you dirt for a nickel. Oh, yes, they would. Was Edith here with you Thursday night? This place must be very becoming to her. Next to being in a coal mine, I can't think of anywhere she would go that the light would be more flattering to that pan of hers. Do you really know a lot of people that say she's good-looking? You must have a wide acquaintance among the astigmatic, haven't you, Freddy, dear? Why, I'm not being anyway at all. It's simply one of those things. Either you can see it or you can't. Now, to me, Edith looks like something that would eat her young. Dresses well? Edith dresses well? Are you trying to kid me, Fred? At my age? You mean... You mean it? Oh, my God. You mean those clothes of hers are intentional? My heavens, I always thought she was on her way out of a burning building. Well, we live and learn. Edith dresses well. Edith's got good taste. Yes, she's got sweet taste in neckties. I don't suppose I ought to say it about such a dear friend of yours, Fred, but she is the lousiest necktie picker outer I ever saw. I never saw anything that could touch you, that thing you have around your neck. All right, suppose I did say I liked it. I just said that because I felt sorry for you. I feel sorry for anybody with a thing like that on. I just wanted to try to make you feel good because I thought you were my friend. My friend. I haven't got a friend in the world. Do you know that, Fred? Not a single friend in this world. All right, what do you care from crying? I can cry if I want to, can't I? I guess you'd cry too if you didn't have a friend in the world. Is is my face very bad? I suppose that damned mascara has run all over it. I've got to give up wearing mascara, Fred. Life's too sad. Isn't life terrible? Oh, my God. Isn't life awful? Oh, don't cry, Fred! Please don't. You Don't you care, baby. Life's terrible, but don't you care. You've got friends. I'm the one who hasn't got any friends. I am so. No, it's me. I'm the one. I don't think another drink would make me feel any better. I don't know whether I want to feel any better. What's the sense of feeling good when life's so terrible? Oh, all right then. But please tell him just a little one if it isn't too much trouble. I don't want to stay here much longer. I don't like this place. It's all dark and stuffy. It's the kind of place Edith would be crazy about. That's all I can say about this place. I know I oughtn't to talk about your best friend, Fred, but that's... A terrible woman. That woman is the louse of this world. It makes me feel just awful that you trust that woman, Fred. I hate to see anybody play you dirt. I hate to see you get hurt. That's what makes me feel so terrible. That's why I'm getting mascara all over my face. No. Please don't, Fred. You mustn't hold my hand. It wouldn't be fair to Edith. We've got to play fair with that big louse. After all, she's your best friend, isn't she? Honestly? Do you honestly mean it, Fred? Yes, but how could I help thinking so? When you're with her all the time, when you bring her here every night in a week. Really? Only Thursday? Oh, I know. I know how those things are. You simply can't help it when you get stuck with a person that way. Lord, I'm glad you realize what an awful thing that woman is. I was worried about it, Fred, because I'm your friend. Why, of course I am, darling. You know I am. Oh, that's just silly, Freddie. You got heaps of friends. Only you'll never find a better friend than I am. No, I know that. I know I'll never find a better friend than you are to me. Just give me back my hand a second till I get this damned mascara out of my eye. Yes, I think we ought to, honey. I think we ought to have a little drink on account of our being friends. Just a little one, because it's real scotch, and we're real friends. After all, friends are the greatest things in the world, aren't they, Fred? Gee, it makes me feel good to know you have a friend. I feel great, don't you, dear? You look great, too. I'm proud to have you for a friend. Do you realize, Fred, what a rare thing a friend is when you think of all the terrible people there are in this world. Animals are much better than people. God, I love animals. That's what I like about you, Fred. You're so fond of animals. Look, I'll tell you what let's do. After we've had just a little highball... Let's go out and pick up a lot of stray dogs. I've never had enough dogs in my life. Did you? We ought to have more dogs. And maybe there'd be some cats around if we looked. And a horse. I've never had one single horse, Fred. Isn't that rotten? Not one single horse. I'd like a nice old cab horse, Fred. Fred, wouldn't you? I'd like to take care of it and comb his hair and everything. Oh, don't be stuffy about a Fred. Please don't. I need a horse. Honestly, I do. Wouldn't you like one? It would be so sweet and kind. Let's have a drink and then let's you and I go out and get a horsey Freddy. Just a little one, darling. Just a little one. 1928's short story Dorothy Parker One of the great wits of the 20th century So I hope you noticed my acting while reading that story Getting drunker as I progressed As I am sure Parker intended an observant reader to do She was an alcoholic. She lasted 74 years, but she really had quite a bit of trial and health related issues because of her alcoholism. There's a wonderful movie about her, Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle about her days at Vanity Fair and then her starting with Robert Benchley and Harold Ross, the New Yorker magazine in 1925, one of my favorite things to read in the world. When Ross started that magazine, he put this strategy into play. He just wanted to have smart people around Parker had lost her job at Vanity Fair because she had offended some of the, let's say, donors. And he just wanted a smart, witty magazine. He didn't care about offending people. He wanted people to be brutally honest. And she was, I remember uh, reading a review, she was a very scathing theater critic. One of the reviews she wrote about Catherine Hepburn, uh, I think it was Bringing Up Baby, she said, Catherine Hepburn ran the gamut of emotions from A to B. <laughs> and then when the Winnie the Pooh books came out, I think it was the book she was reviewing, she is alleged to have said, Constant of flows up. <laughs> so she did not like that whimsical poo. But she was a fabulous, sparse poet and so good at short fiction. Just capturing a character, capturing two characters, the atmosphere of pro. Prohibition and post-prohibition. You know, I was thinking about alcohol and alcoholism and its trials after I played that podcast from last week, wherein our guest, Magenta, was talking about being a drug addict and alcoholic. It made me think about my youth. I had several alcoholics surrounding me when I was growing up. Um, And I remember watching TV and seeing how comedians portrayed the drunk. I'm thinking of Red Skelton um, in particular at this moment. But I think that In all the ages, um, until like maybe the 90s, up until the 90s, it seems like in all literature, in all forms of media that existed in whatever era, the drunk is a funny character. Red Skelton certainly played it as funny. I mean, Shakespeare had Falstaff and bung, right? Jesters and assholes and, and even Dionysus, right? The Greek god. He was a drunk, but he was also known for ecstasy and merriment. So there's always been this interesting connection between a drinker and comedy. I think the reason that it changed was when Mainstream people started to believe, health experts, I think the health experts were ahead of this curve, that alcoholism was a disease, something serious that really killed you. It wasn't just a frailty of character. It wasn't just somebody being an asshole. It wasn't somebody who just um, became funny when they got smashed. I think it's really interesting to look at how that has changed. Um, But if you can think of other examples where the comedy around drunkenness stayed on past the 90s. I mean, probably with certain comedians, there's like a niche where you can have, like, blackout comedy or something. But I think for mainstream audiences of comedy, this idea of a drunk being funny is just no longer in vogue. And that is another thing I really like about this story by Dorothy Parker. It's funny, but it also has some real socks in the eye when it comes to Sadness and facing reality of the issues that crop up with drinking. I certainly had my years of wine and roses, but I'm not an alcoholic. But listening to people tell their stories about their trials and knowing people intimately that have suffered with this disease and losing a few people to the tribulations of alcohol and related substance abuses really hits a note for me. I feel like I'm going to be divulging some things in some podcasts coming up soon, so I want to be as honest as possible on this podcast As I've said before, it's kind of a catharsis for me as well as, I hope, entertaining and thought-provoking for you. So, check out that movie, Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle, if you want to learn more about Dorothy Parker. It's a fabulous portrayal of Dorothy Parker by Jennifer Jason Leigh. What happened to Jennifer Jason Leigh? Although, actors who aren't Actively acting at the moment Probably think Why do people always say What happened to me Just look it up I'm producing great stuff Even though I'm not on screen anymore It's probably annoying to celebrities But anyway That's a really great um, movie You could get on the Dorothy Parker Society It has a very interesting and detailed account Of how her ashes were moved her, uh, It's another lesson Be careful who you make executor of your will So she left all her money to the NAACP When she died in 1967 She was very ahead of her time when it came to that Like an Eleanor Roosevelt She was very much um, about the civil rights movement And equality for people of color Um, But because she did that It is alleged Lillian Hellman kept her ashes in a filing cabinet For many years And just recently Her ashes were moved To the Bronx Where she was laid to rest um, With the rest of the Rothschild Plot So Dorothy Rothschild Parker Check her out Thanks for listening today I hope you have a fabulous Day, night, week Until next time Keep thinking
0: She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever